Hello, everyone, and welcome to the April 17th edition of WorkComp Academy Weekly News. I'm Renee Foles, an attorney with Floyd, Skern, and Kelly. Thanks for joining us today. Let's get started with our litigation report. A Los Angeles jury hit Kimberly Clark Corporation and Halyard Health with a stunning $454 million fraud verdict as a result of the sale by the companies of defective medical devices to doctors, hospitals, and trauma centers throughout California for years. The unanimous jury verdict after a two-week trial is likely one of the largest verdicts in U.S. history against a medical device maker. And it is likely that California employers have had many workers' compensation claims filed over the years by healthcare workers who claim infectious injury. Some of these workers may have been wearing safety equipment sold by these companies, and claim department data mining may identify these past and present claims. That discovery may lead to subrogation or a set-off petition should the claimants also be plaintiffs in the Los Angeles class action filed against these companies. Pursuant to an indemnification agreement, Halyard Health is obligated to pay the entirety of the $454 million awarded by the jury. The class action lawsuit, Bahamas Surgery Center, LLC versus Kimberly Clark Corporation, was filed in Los Angeles Federal Court back in 2014. The suit claimed that the companies had falsely represented to the FDA, healthcare workers, and the general public that the company's micro-cool, breathable, high-performance surgical gowns were impermeable and provided protection against serious diseases such as Ebola and HIV. But the companies had known since 2012 that the gowns were defective, had failed industry tests, and did not meet relevant standards. Thus, the companies placed healthcare professionals and patients at considerable risk for infection, serious bodily harm, and death. The jury sided with the plaintiffs and found that the companies had concealed material information from the healthcare professionals throughout California and had carried out their scheme with malice, oppression, and fraud. Internal emails and documents from the companies showed employees describing the manufacturing processes as crap and admitting that they were knowingly using defective and substandard equipment to make the gowns in Honduras. Instead of recalling the gowns and disclosing the truth, the companies concealed what they knew, fired employees who knew too much, and continued promoting, marketing, and selling the gowns by stating they were impermeable. Golden Gate Pharmacy Holdings and its subsidiaries have agreed to pay more than $717,000 to settle allegations that the companies failed to keep and maintain adequate records pertaining to controlled substances at their San Rafael facility. The companies have been providing traditional and non-traditional pharmacy services to Bay Area residents and long-term care facilities since 1969. The settlement agreement was reached to resolve allegations by the government that a 2014 DEA inspection uncovered multiple violations of the Controlled Substances Act. The companies were registered with the DEA as a retail pharmacy and were authorized to handle Schedules 2, 3, 3N, and 4 controlled substances. 
they had a legal obligation to keep and maintain records related to its receipt, manufacturing, and distribution of these controlled substances. Following the DEA's inspection, the government concluded that the companies failed to maintain adequate inventory records or records of the receipt, storage, or shipment of controlled substances in more than 5,000 instances. In addition, an employee at the San Rafael facility pilfered about 8,000 oxycodone tablets. Golden Gate Pharmacy Holdings and Golden Gate Pharmacy Services and Ross Valley Pharmacy will pay the government over $717,000 to resolve all of these civil claims. Miami lawyers expect a recent state court victory to pave the way for billions of dollars from liability and workers' compensation insurance carriers across the nation to flow back to Medicare and its beneficiaries. The attorneys and the firm known as MSP Recovery are going after major liability insurers for allegedly shirking their duty to reimburse Medicare benefit providers for conditional payments. Under the Medicare Secondary Payer Law, known by the acronym MCP, the government can recover double damages from a primary payer that fails to pay Medicare back for expenses covered by a liability or workers' compensation policy. The home page of this firm boasts of the slogan aimed to attract its clients who are Medicare Advantage insurance companies, challenging them to discover your losses, and recover what's yours. Between 8 to 10% of all claims that are made through Medicare or Medicare Advantage organizations are the responsibility of another payer. Think of car crashes, slip and fall accidents, and workers' compensation claims. No attorney had ever secured class certification under the Medicare secondary payer law before this case. A nuanced interplay between federal and state laws made it difficult to establish common issues of law and fact, but MSP recovery overcame those obstacles in Miami-Dade Circuit Court, where a judge certified a class in a lawsuit against the auto insurer Ocean Harbor Casualty Insurance, a primary payer for thousands of Medicare Part C beneficiaries. In a 101-page decision, the judge ruled Medicare Advantage organizations and others who contract with the government to provide Medicare benefits could sue Ocean Harbor as a class following an August federal appellate court decision. That 11th Circuit decision, Humana versus Western Heritage, established that secondary payers could recover from a liability insurer if the case met three conditions. One, the defendant was a primary payer. Two, the defendant failed to provide for primary payment or appropriate reimbursements. And three, the damages amount was established. In this case, the defendant could not challenge the damages amount because the auto insurer did not administratively contest any amounts paid and the time for any administrative appeal had expired. Thus, each class member will have incurred the same type of injury proximately caused by the same defendant based on the same general factual scenario of failure to pay or reimburse as a primary payer. 
The judge also noted the firm has developed a sophisticated system to identify claims by collecting and matching data, including CMS reports, automobile crash reports, ambulance records, insurance declaration sheets, and no-fault personally injury protection payout sheets. The National Penchant for Claims Analytics used to search for fraudulent claims seems to be a sword that swings both ways in this case. That system has allowed the 30-attorney firm with roughly three dozen partner firms across the country to divide claims into categories and file lawsuits across the country on behalf of more than 100 health plans. Their firms boasts of 17 class actions pending in state and federal courts across the nation. Targeted defendants include companies such as Allstate Property and Casualty, Liberty Mutual, State Farm Mutual Automobile, GEICO, and others. The class certification ruling is on appeal, but plaintiff attorneys believe their cases will not only recover billions of dollars, but will push primary payers to follow the law. And now our crime report. The office manager and part owner of a Reseda Medical Clinic known as M. TP Medical Clinic Incorporated has been sentenced to 51 months in federal prison for his role in a multi-million dollar healthcare fraud scheme. 67-year-old Michael Huyen of Northridge was also ordered to pay just over $1.9 million in restitution to the victim insurance companies and back taxes estimated to be nearly $950,000 to the IRS. Huyen was found guilty of one count of conspiracy to commit health care fraud and 11 counts of filing false tax returns following a seven-day trial. The evidence showed that Huyen provided Farhad and Sarim with bogus prescriptions purportedly for patients of the medical clinic. Sharam is a co-owner of Century Discount Pharmacy located on Sherman Way in Reseda, who submitted false bills for prescription drugs that had not been dispensed to the patients. Ansarim paid Huyen more than $1.1 million from the pharmacy proceeds. In order to disguise the payments, Huyen provided Sharim with false invoices for purported advertising services. Sharim previously pleaded guilty to conspiracy to commit health care fraud and will be sentenced in May. The Board of Pharmacy filed a disciplinary action against Century Discount Pharmacy and its owners in 2015. The Board's investigation and examination of prescription records for controlled substances raised many red flags, including a repeating pattern of prescriptions written by doctors who did not treat the patients or write the prescriptions. And in regulatory news, last week the WCIRB proposed a mid-year average advisory pure premium rate which is 16.5% lower than the January rate and 7.8% less than the insurance commissioner's approved average January advisory pure premium rate. Following this announcement, DIR Director Christine Baker credited the 2012 reforms in SB 863 for the savings. 
Employers have had four consecutive rate reductions, and the mid-year recommendation will continue that trend. Since 2012, the DIR has made significant strides in its quest to eliminate medical provider fraud and illegitimate liens and is continuing its efforts to launch a prescription drug formulary. However, California still faces competition from other states who have also reduced workers' compensation rates. The Pennsylvania Insurance Department approved a reduction in the annual workers' compensation insurance premium rate, which will save employers $150 million. Benefits for injured workers will not be affected. The Montana State Fund has reduced workers' compensation rates by 5%, the 11th year in a row that rates have remained the same or decreased. The Ohio Bureau of Workers' Compensation has proposed a $1 billion rebate for Ohio's private and public employers, the third such rebate since 2013. And the Maine Bureau of Insurance has approved a 4.3% decrease in the workers' compensation rate, which is expected to save Maine employers $9.5 million over the next 12 months. These are just recent examples of rate reductions occurring across the nation. And in medical news, last year Cigna made a commitment to combat the nation's opioid epidemic, and they have made significant progress towards reducing opioid use among its customers. Cigna customers' use of prescription opioids has declined nearly 12% over the last year, about halfway to achieving the company's goal of 25% reduction by 2019. The company has adopted a multi-pronged response to the epidemic that includes multiple stakeholder groups. The key to this initial progress has been Cigna's work with doctors, especially those that participate in its Cigna collaborative care arrangements. To date, 158 participating medical groups representing nearly 62,000 doctors have signed Cigna's pledge to reduce opioid prescribing and to treat opioid use disorder as a chronic condition. Cigna assists doctors by analyzing integrated claims data across pharmacy and medical benefits to detect opioid use patterns that suggest possible misuse. The company then alerts doctors when their opioid prescribing patterns are not consistent with the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention's guidelines that include opioid selection, dosage, and duration. It has also established a database of opioid quality improvement initiatives for doctors, such as referrals into chronic pain management or substance use disorder treatment programs. Cigna is also implementing additional customer safety measures in support of the CDC guidelines. Most new prescriptions for a long-acting opioid that are not being used as part of a treatment for cancer or sickle cell disease or for hospice care will be subject to prior authorization. And most new prescriptions for a short-acting opioid will be subject to quantity limits. Cigna continues to work closely with Shatterproof, a national nonprofit organization dedicated to reducing the devastation that addiction causes to families and the stigma associated with this disease. 
a Cigna Foundation grant helped the organization launch a comprehensive online portal earlier this year. It has the most up-to-date, evidence-based information on how to understand, prevent, intervene, treat, and recover from substance use disorders. Medical care and California workers' compensation is now limited by treatment guidelines developed from evidence-based medicine. The concept is only as good as the quality of the science that appears in medical literature. Several decades ago, a series of highly visible cases of alleged research misconduct prompted research, research institutions, research sponsors, and others to consider how they might promote research integrity and address breaches in integrity more effectively. Now, a new 285-page report published by the National Academies Press called on all stakeholders to improve their policies and practices to respond to continuing and increasing threats to research integrity. The authors claim that in recent years, it is clear that the research enterprise faces new and complex challenges in fostering integrity and in dealing with the consequences of research misconduct and detrimental research practices. The authors claim that serious cases of research misconduct, including some that have gone undetected for years, continue to emerge with disturbing regularity in the United States and around the world. Increases in the number and percentage of research articles that are retracted and growing concern about low rates of reproducibility in some research fields raises many questions. So the authors outlined the need for clarified authorship standards that ensure availability of data necessary to reproduce research, protect whistleblowers, and ensure that both positive and negative research results are reported. The report also called for the creation of a nonprofit independent advisory board designed to support efforts to strengthen research integrity, as well as reduce and address research misconduct. The long-standing definition of scientific misconduct includes fabrication, falsification, or plagiarism in proposing, performing, or reporting research. However, the newer guidelines include research practices that had previously been characterized as just questionable, such as failure to retain research data or misleading use of statistics. These should now be considered detrimental. The National Academy of Sciences was established in 1863 by an act of Congress signed by President Lincoln as a private, non-governmental institution to advise the nation on issues related to science and technology. Members are elected by their peers for outstanding contributions to research. The editorial board of Orthopedics Today reported on the top advances in orthopedic surgery for the past 30 years. Now, up to 80% of orthopedic procedures are amenable to the outpatient setting, and many orthopedic practices have sophisticated imaging capabilities in their offices and surgery centers. The shortened recovery and associated disability with less invasive and more stable and rigid fixation have allowed patients to be more functional sooner 
and reduce the morbidity of some of the previous approaches. More recently, steady improvement in arthroscopic techniques and instrumentation and expanded use of the hip joint has furthered the specialty, subspecialty area of orthopedics. Improvements and innovations in materials, articulation services, peri- and post-operative management strategies, and outcomes research has worked together during the last 30 years to decrease implant wear and increase function. Hip arthroplasty has benefited from the advent of porous metals, improvements in alternative bearing surface technologies, polyethylene advances, and newer procedures such as resurfacing surgery. Some of the developments that have enhanced knee arthroplasty over the past 30 years include unicompartmental implants, modular components, fixed and mobile bearing designs, newer polyethylenes, and computer assistance, and better characteristics of current knee designs that, that thought to be associated with long-term in vivo durability. Imaging and its use in improving outcomes in orthopedic surgery have developed concurrently throughout the past 30 years, with smaller and more convenient methods giving physicians a wider range of possibilities. Even MRI and CT have been seen recent changes in their implementation, with surgeons moving toward utilizing them for patient-specific implants or guides. And that is all of our news and events for this week. Please check our website daily for news updates, past editions of our news, and much, much more. And remember, you can subscribe to our weekly news podcasts and special reports using your iPhone, iPad, or Android device by searching for the WorkComp Academy with your broadcast software. Again, I'm Renee Foles, an attorney with Floyd, Skarin, and Kelly. Thanks for joining us today, and please drop by again next week for more news.